electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, John Rogers is amassing one of the biggest and most impressive photo archive collections in the world. These archives are extremely rare, they're extremely valuable, mm-hmm. and we're able to obtain priceless images, and that's what we do. But the business he claims is worth $32 million is rooted in fraud. With John Rogers, you can't believe anything he says. And you can't believe what he shows you either. Nothing. Because most of it was bogus. Investors are duped into sending him millions of dollars based on counterfeit pieces of sports memorabilia. Could be card collections, could be trophies, could be signed baseball bats. It could be anything. But what it adds up to is stacks and stacks of cash. American Greed has an exclusive prison interview with John Rogers. I mean, I could have sold kilos of cocaine, I would have made less money. In March 2014, the FBI records a conversation between Chicago sports memorabilia dealer Doug Allen and a little rock entrepreneur, John Rogers. As long as you don't say that you were chipping me off, never, John, John. Doug Allen is under indictment for rigging memorabilia auctions, and he thinks he's giving up his friend and partner, John Rogers, to the FBI. But on this day, Rogers is the one wearing the wire. Doug did something unforgivable to me. John Rogers speaks to American Greed from prison in Arkansas. You don't want to rat. People like that, they ought to be shot, I think. But I took an exception for Doug Allen. I said, you know what? This scumbag deserves to pay for this. I wired up against Doug, and uh, I made sure that son of a bitch got a sentence dealt with him. I don't regret it. And anybody that has a problem with it wants to call me a rack and kiss my ass. John Rogers did not expect his career to end up this way. In the last 15 months, uh, we have purchased uh, 32 million original prints and negatives. We've purchased the archives of uh, just a few to mention, Detroit News, Detroit Free Press, Chicago Daily News, Chicago Sun-Times. We are, uh, we'd like to buy every newspaper in the country is our goal. Well, you know, John, for us, kind of came out of nowhere. George Walden reports for the magazine Arkansas Business and covers the improbable rise of John Rogers from a kid collecting baseball cards to a titan of business. Like a lot of boys did growing up, you know, you'd buy a pack of baseball cards and get a stick of gum and and collect the cards. He just stayed with it and started trading and wheeling and dealing. And I think he started eventually getting into memorabilia. Over the years, Rogers brings in millions of dollars trading collectibles as the industry explodes. But that's only the beginning. Rogers is focused on creating the largest photo archive in the world. Brian Brusokas is an FBI special agent in the Chicago field office. He was one of the first people to realize the value in original photos. These archives are extremely rare, they're extremely valuable, Mm -hmm. and we're able to obtain priceless images, and that's what we do. John Rogers goes across the country pursuing old photo archives 
from some of the biggest newspapers in the world, offering to turn celluloid collecting dust into digital images that can print cash. His idea was, you know, these are undervalued assets, and the newspapers were, you know, looking, what do we do with all these photos? We've got these tons and tons of photos, but we're not making any money with them. And, and some point it clicked with him that, hey, why don't I uh, work out a deal to where I'll take your collection on and digitize it, put metadata on it, make a searchable digitized library for you. And so he was going out and sort of rescuing these historic treasures is how he pitched it to a lot of people. So his plan was to amass the largest private photo collection and then use it as a revenue stream in the future by licensing these photos, making them available to the different newspapers sharing the digital images with them. He would sell the originals, he would maintain digital images as well, and they would share in the future revenue from the digital rights on each one of those photos that was sold. Saving America's photographic history, which we did. Newspapers were hemorrhaging cash in 08 and 09. They were throwing their archives away, they were throwing negatives away. And we digitized some of the nation's largest archives and we did them perfectly. Rogers finds that there's money to be made in some of the most famous and iconic private collections as well. Yes, this is my grandfather with Jeff Heath and Bob Feller. And this picture is one of my favorites of him. He looks so handsome and he's in his suit. In 1929, Debbie Miller's grandfather, George Brace, began taking photos at Chicago's Wrigley Field and Comiskey Park. And he would continue to do so for more than 60 years. He loved baseball. It was his whole life. I mean, everything was baseball. Over the years, Brace amasses one of the most remarkable baseball photo collections in the world. It's Ernie Banks' first day as a ball player at Wrigley Field. It's just one of many incredible moments in baseball history that Brace managed to capture. As Brace enters his 80s, his eyesight begins to fail, and he retires in 1994 after producing approximately 1.2 million images. He hands over his collection to his daughter, Mary, and with her niece, Debbie, they run the business of selling off prints to interested parties. One interested party is John Rogers. Around 2005, he started ordering photos. He would call up and say, well, I need everything you have on Ernie Banks. So he would call and he would talk to my aunt. I can't believe this, you know, amassed collection. And, you know, it's so nice that you have this to preserve baseball. And he had such a love of baseball, he would say. But preserving these images is getting increasingly difficult for Brace's family. They start to disintegrate. So that's kind of what was happening near the end here. You know, there's some of them were 75, 100 years old. In the digital age, Miller and her Aunt Mary decide to try to preserve the collection by digitizing the photos themselves. They quickly learn that it's a Herculean task. There were 57 file drawers, three feet deep, and they had two rows to each file cabinet. We went through four drawers out of 57. It took us three years, and we saw what a big task this was going to end up to be. John Rogers has a solution. He offers $1,350,000 for the collection. He will digitize all the images and provide digital copies to the family. In return, Rogers will own the copyrights of the photos. Most important to the family, however, is that George Brace's legacy is kept intact. Still, parting with the collection is an agonizing decision. It was sad to see them go, but we knew what had to be done. It costs millions of dollars to run the size of operation Rogers is trying to create. 
but his reputation is on the rise, and there are people out there willing to invest, including fellow collectors. The home run king himself, Hank Aaron. And this is a very special bat to me because it is from his rookie year. Getting involved in collecting, it started with my father. My father got my brother Steve and myself involved. And my dad wanted to teach us how to respect money and bond together. Over 20 years, George Demo says his family has collected more than 150 game-used bats and scores of other autographed photos and memorabilia by some of the most famous players in baseball history. Oh, we loved it. It's not even liking we loved it. We got to go to baseball games. We got to hang out with my father. I mean, we got extremely lucky in life with the way the sports memorabilia world went up in value. None of us were expecting it. Could not afford to, to collect right now with the stuff that we have. But John Rogers can. When Demos is first introduced to Rogers, he doesn't even know Rogers is a collector. But he does know that Rogers is attempting to build a massive photo archive business, and he's intrigued. In 2013, he agrees to give the business a loan and is paid back with interest just as planned. Rogers checks to see if he'd be interested in going further. He's like, hey, uh, what do you think? Do you think everything's going well? I said, yeah, I said, everything's going great. He's like, well, would you, would you, since this is going so well, would you like, I'll pay some of this off and we'll do another deal. The deals are often fast and loose, documented only by text messages and emails sent between the two parties. But what the deals lack in documentation, they make up for in security. All of the loans are backed up by Rogers' extensive memorabilia collection and photo archive as collateral. I did eight deals with him, and he kept rolling them and rolling them, and I never had a check that didn't cash. By the end of 2013, George Demas hands over nearly a million dollars in loans and investments to John Rogers' photo archive business. But despite his seeming success, Demas has his suspicions. I was trying to get my head around how this much income was coming in from photographs. I couldn't get my head around it, so I asked him if I could fly out and see his operation, and he said, uh, yeah, I, you know, open arms. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. First stop, the Rogers Photo Archives where Demas sees dozens of employees working away. The next stop, Roger's home, is even more impressive. And it was something on the order of, you know, 12,000 plus square feet. There was a uh, hidden vault, I'm told, in the basement where he kept his personal collection of valuable sports memorabilia. Uh, the backyard had a, a designer pool with what people described as a... Uh, a mini version of the uh, Playboy Grotto. But Demas should trust his instincts. Selling photos doesn't make this kind of money, at least not the way Rogers does it. As we sort of figured out later, he was 
you know, spinning straw into gold because he really wasn't making any money at all. He was losing money. And the only way he was keeping it afloat was through investments and loans through banks. I was, for one, a cocaine addict at the time, not an excuse. I met a lot of addicts in rehab that didn't become con artists or criminals. It's another shameful part of the story, but it creates delusions of grandeur. It creates hubris. You feel bulletproof and 10 feet tall and invincible. The entire company, in fact, all of John Rogers' wealth, is based in fraud. They suspect he was probably doing counterfeiting as far back as the 90s. Could be card collections, could be trophies, could be signed baseball bats by famous ball players. It could be any number of things. According to John Rogers, it goes back further than that. Probably around 13 is when I became a forger. It started off as fun, and I learned pretty quickly it was a natural talent I had. Did Babe Ruth, he did Ty Cobb. I believe probably one of his favorites was Mickey Mantle. He did presidents, we found some JFK stuff. He did actors, he did actresses, Marilyn Monroe we found um, he did the Beatles. It was nothing for me. When Muhammad Ali died, I sat down and typed 10,000 Muhammad Ali photos and lithographs. I had a talent. Blessed by God, blessed by the devil, whoever gave it to me, I was born with it. And I could create millions of dollars with my hands and my brain. And I started leaning on the forgeries and the fake items even heavier to get the deals done. John Rogers trades in other people's names over and over again with unwitting investors. Assistant U.S. Attorney Derek Owens explains. There's an old saying, believe um, nothing what he tells you and half of what he shows you. With John Rogers in this case, you can't believe anything he says and you can't believe what he shows you either, nothing. Because most of it was bogus. Investors were giving him millions of dollars Banks were giving him loans. All of it was based on, hey, I'm holding all of these sports memorabilia pieces. It's in my safe. You can come check it out. They did come check it out. The problem was it was fake. It was like printing money, basically. I mean, I could have sold kilos of cocaine. I would have made less money. In late 2013, after George Demas has loaned or invested hundreds of thousands of dollars with John Rogers' photo archive business, Rogers reaches out for one more deal, but this time it's for Demas' most prized possession. This is the bat that Babe Ruth used to hit the first home run out of Yankee Stadium 1924 off Hall of Fame pitcher Walter Johnson. He's like, you know, I really want to get a nice piece of baseball memorabilia in my collection. Uh, would you be willing to part with your Babe Ruth bat? I said, that, that's like the holy grail of my collection. That was meant to help my kids out throughout college and throughout their life, not just mine, when we sell that bat. He's like, well, if I came to a deal with you for you and your brother to be able to accomplish that, would you part with this? I said, I, I would listen to anything. Rogers offers a deal. It was $3 million in addition until we pass away. We would get residual income off the newspaper uh, for the archives. Rogers is supposed to hold on to the prized baseball bat until his loan to Demas is paid off. But agreements don't mean much to John Rogers. He gives me a phone call and says, hey, I, I got a really big offer on this bat and I would like to sell it. It helped me out. It's like, you can't sell it and I get my money back. But Rogers needs the cash to keep the business afloat. So he arranges to sell the bat without Demas's knowledge for much less than the millions it's actually worth. Not too many people can write a check for $750,000 and he needed the money like yesterday, so obviously the heat was coming on and he had to know about it. The heat is on. The Department of Justice has had Rogers under investigation for a few years now, and in 2014, they have what they need to move forward, including a cooperating witness. 
One of the turning points was an individual named Doug Allen who came to the FBI after being charged in his own fraud case and said, John Rogers is committing fraud. Doug Allen agreed to cooperate with the government and the FBI in their investigation. Doug Allen is under indictment for his time at Mastro Auctions, Chicago-based sports memorabilia auction house previously featured on American Greed. As a partner in the company, he is accused by the government of artificially raising prices of products placed in auction. As a sports memorabilia enthusiast, he knows John Rogers well. Reluctantly, he agreed to cooperate. And as he began doing this, I personally was having, having some feelings like maybe he wasn't fully on board with Team America. While telling the FBI that he's doing what he can to corral John Rogers, Allen is actually alerting Rogers about the FBI's investigation. Doug Allen was the one who tipped John off that the FBI was getting ready to raid his office. Then John turned the tables and told the FBI that, hey, by the way, Doug Allen told me you guys were going to be raiding my office. And at that point, I guess it was every criminal for themselves, and John turned it on him. With no honor among thieves, Rogers calls FBI agent Brian Busokas out of the blue and rats out Doug Allen for giving him the heads up. I just remember the first words, Brian, this is John Rogers here. <laughs> and then went on to tell me all about Doug's being a double agent. He had done some stuff, but he didn't want to be a part of what Doug was doing. Doug Allen, he comes to me after he wears a wire in front of me and my wife at the time. And he does another unforgivable thing. He tells me he wore a wire, which puts me in a horrible position. Now I'm definitely going to get charged with obstruction of justice. So we self-reported it. My attorney said, you got to do it. You don't have another choice. And in the end, I was glad we did it. Rogers admits to the government that he forged an unknowable amount of memorabilia items and used them to collect money from banks and investors. One of his first things he wanted to do was he said, I will wear a recording device for you, and I will record Doug Allen telling me about how he tipped me off. And he did that very thing. He met with Doug Allen, and they recorded a conversation where Doug Allen told John Rogers, don't tell anybody that I told you that the feds were coming. I know for me, OK, talking about protecting myself, under no circumstance could I ever tell them that, I, that you and I have had any of these conversations because I would be if my cooperation without the window. Yeah, yours would be the Yeah. Okay. And, and it's the same with you. After the recordings, John Rogers pleads guilty to one count of wire fraud, but hopes his cooperation will earn him some points in sentencing. But Rogers can't seem to help himself from double-crossing people that give him their trust. <laughs> John Rogers and Doug Allen are similar in this way. They both agreed to cooperate with the government at one point. Doug Allen, rather than cooperating, actually defrauded the FBI by becoming a double agent. John Rogers just kept defrauding new victims. Well, that was John. For every one step forward, it was two steps back. He went back to all the basics. He would continue to forged items, bats, balls, gloves, that sort of thing, because it doesn't take much. Uh, you know, the skill in a Sharpie, uh, that's all you need. When the FBI discovered his new fraudulent activity, all of his cooperation went down the drain. By the time Rogers faces a judge, his guilty plea to one count of wire fraud earned him 12 years in prison. George Demas has a price to pay as well. He tracks down his Babe Ruth bat, and the buyer generously agrees to sell the bat back to him for a price much less than its believed market value. Demas's other investments with Rogers, hundreds of thousands of dollars are lost. But according to Rogers, not lost forever. 
George will be paid every dime. That's one thing I want viewers to know. Let me tell you, John Rogers can't be defeated. Uh, that may sound arrogant and hubris. The old John Rogers could, but me being out clean and sober, having a clear head, realizing right from wrong, following God's will instead of my own will. And when I come out, we'll do it bigger and better than we ever did. There's no doubt about it. Some do have their doubts. The judge handed down a $23.5 million restitution on him and of, of 26 known victims. But uh, the word is there's there were a lot more. It's just a lot of these people didn't want to go to the trouble because they thought, I'm never getting this money back. I'm not even going to bother. We did collect a few items that were authentic or that they do have some value that we are able to obtain. What we're going to do is attempt to sell those items through legitimate auction houses to try to lower down the loss amount, the restitution amount. Unfortunately, it's, it's not going to make these people all whole. George Brace's legacy will also never be whole again. The government arranges to sell what's left of the collection to various buyers, but the family is left empty-handed. Rogers never pays them the nearly million dollars he still owes them for the photos. And to add insult to injury, they never even receive a complete collection of the digital copies he promised. Part of this whole, you know, tragedy, I, I believe, is that a part of baseball, I believe, is history is missing. It's devastating to the family because it was part of a, it was my grandfather's legacy and, in essence, our family's legacy as well. And this technically was should have been my aunt's retirement. So it's just been very hard to feel so taken advantage of. I, I just don't know how someone could be so selfish and cruel. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.